Hi, everyone. This is Jared Murphy of NotAliens.com, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Special report, alien corpses, NASA report on UAP, and a surprise guest back from the dead, literally. Episode 67 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast, Live Edition. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast, where we explore the unexplained and mysterious phenomena that have occurred throughout the state of Michigan and beyond. From UFO sightings to ghostly encounters, we delve deep into the stories, the evidence, and the theories behind these strange events. We are your hosts. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. We are an educator duo that after an encounter with a triangular UFO in 2018 in Michigan, we decided to investigate UFOs and the paranormal. In this podcast, we will be speaking with eyewitnesses, experts, and researchers to uncover the truth about some of the most intriguing cases of paranormal activity in and around Michigan. Our goal is not to convince anyone of the existence of these phenomena, but rather to provide a platform for discussion and exploration. So, buckle up and join us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. On an escalator. And we are live. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Today is the 16th of September, 2023. And let's get settled in on this Saturday evening as we get ready to bring on our surprise guest for this evening, who we only have for a short period of time tonight. But first... Let me bring on my lovely wife, co-host, and someone who has the best Halloween costume ever. It's Michelle. Hey, everyone. Michelle, you think we should uh, show everybody your Halloween costume? Um, You mean the one that I'm going to wear to the Halloween dance at my school? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. There it is. <laughs> You know, I spotted this costume last year and said for sure that I was doing this at work this year. So one of the science teachers has agreed to help me get this uh, costume inflated so I can literally run into the dance. <laughs> so for people that are just listening to this later on, on a, our podcast, our audio version, Michelle, why don't you explain what it is we're looking at for your costume? Oh, it's one of those inflatable suits that has like the air pump in it where the alien looks like it has captured me. Yeah. Um, And like my, my legs will be dangling. My strategy, though, for work that day is I'm going to wear blue jeans with a black shirt and my white Adidas. So, um. Janice, I teach seventh grade and then seventh and eighth grade mythology. So seventh grade English and then seventh and eighth grade mythology. They'll get a kick out of it because I've already had a couple students in one of my hours. Um, one of my little girls, she looked at me the other day. She goes, is your husband's name Wayne? 
And I said, yes. And she said, my mom has been listening to your podcast. (laughs) She goes, and now so do I. And she holds up her phone and like the whole back of her (laughs) phone is all alien stickers. (laughs) Well, then um, one of the little boys, like two seats away, said, you do the the UFO podcast. He goes, I listen to your podcast, too. So I have all these little seventh grade kids. It's like my own little little following your own little following little starstruck seventh it graders is. it's cute yeah. so i love it oh michelle man i'll tell you what just quickly quickly looking over at chat and people watching right now uh we got we got a lot of lively people in chat so uh wow Anyways, uh, we'll get to the, you guys here in a minute. So thank you very much for uh, showing up. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this at a later date on your favorite podcasting platform, you can catch this show live and participate in the live chat. We currently stream on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. We have some of the best live chats, as we see now, on this topic. Uh, so all around. So come on in and enjoy the live show. If you are here with us live after the live stream, we will be releasing the audio of this show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Google Podcast, Audible, and many others. So, well, we've got to give some, I, I can't say quick hellos tonight. No, we, we got, got a, we got a lot of hellos. I'm just going to start at the, the top. List. We're saying, hey, to reality check and Miss. Uh, Mama Dorothy Hawkins, of course. We've got, oh, let's see. We've got uh, Guy Merritt, our official cult leader, because he's at home right now wearing one of our T-shirts. Correct. We've got Stars and Night Vision. That's a cool name. It is. So we're all about keeping an eye to the sky. We've got our new member, Paula Faust. New member in the house. New member. Hold on. Hold on. There we go. Paula Faust. Thank you very, very much for uh, becoming a new member. We, we really appreciate that. We've got Roger Blair. We've got Straw Dog is here. Uh, Lisa, Lisa, whose T-shirt is in the mail. And I know that Lisa is like patiently waiting, yep. calling upon the T-shirt to arrive at her house. Uh, we've got Paradox Fossils. Uh, let's see who else. God. And we got a lot, a lot of people uh, on right now. Danny is here. Tabin is here. Hey, welcome, welcome. Also, if Janice you're on Facebook, here. let's give them a quick notice that uh, if you're watching us on Facebook right now, if you do type into the Facebook comments, it just shows up as Facebook users still. Um, hopefully. We'll be getting some updates for StreamYard at some point from them that will allow us to see the names of people. But Girl in the Desert is here from one of my favorite states. Arizona, right? Yep. I love it out west. Yes. Blue Crossroads is here. Yeah, Blue Crossroads. Welcome. We got S. Lee. Hey, welcome. Just seeing... uh, that's a new new person we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Hello. Welcome. Yeah. Joining Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters <laughs> podcast. That's a mouthful. That's a very long name. My husband came up with it. Yep. 
And uh, so we're we're kind of stalling right now because we're waiting for our guest, our surprise guest, to show up. Uh, we are dealing with a little bit of a, uh, I want to say, time difference, right? Some time zone thing. So uh, we might have uh, some some things going on, or possibly he may not be able to get on right now. He said he was going to be able to make it, but we'll see. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out. You know. Just remember that this live show, the podcast, happens because of all of you guys, um, the viewers, the listeners of the show, and your amazing support. It, you know, getting members on the show, you can't start to, you know, understand how humble, you know, we really are. Um, you can now help support the show, though. Um, you can hit the join button um, for a small monthly membership. You get custom emojis to use in chat, as well as access to our members only section in the community section on YouTube. Uh, you can also send in super chat, super stickers, as well as PayPal for any monetary donations. Um, the show description below also has the links to our merch store, the PayPal, Patreon, the link tree um, that will take you to other ways to support the show. But I mean, still one of the best ways to support it is to like, share and subscribe. So we know YouTube algorithms, so they're always changing and always up in the game. So the more subscribers and support we have, the more incredible content. Yep, absolutely. We can bring you. So just real quick, I was first asked by uh, Janice in chat, "What am I going to wear for Halloween?" I don't know yet. I don't. He's going to dress up like a science teacher. No, Wayne, do you have a lab coat? I do. I do have a lab coat at work, so I don't know. That's a possibility. But we then, the but then Blue Crossroads said, I should send you guys my first actual alien encounter. You should. And you know where you should send that? Right about here. Oh, Think. you're putting that email up. Yeah. So if you do have a story, an encounter, paranormal, UFO, it doesn't matter, maybe cryptid. Definitely send it to us and we'll read it on the show and we will analyze it and talk to you about it. Um, you may even want to come on the show as a guest. We would definitely uh, welcome that. You can send your story to mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. All right. And uh, get that sent over to us. We'll check it out. Michelle usually reads them to everybody since she is the English teacher. Um, <laughs> so yeah, send it over. Would uh, absolutely love to see your, uh, your story there. So. Uh, and I know after we had uh, Bill Konkoleski on the last show, yep, he had reached out wanting us to come talk. Um, where was that at? Was it Mount Pleasant? Yes. Yeah, so there's, Every once in a while, um, they'll do in-person Michigan MUFON meetings or conferences, little conferences for the month. And a lot of times they do it virtually, but they were going to, in November, do it um, up in Frankenmuth, Michigan, and do it as a in-person thing. Be. And they wanted mm -hmm. us to come out and speak. Unfortunately, the day that they picked would not work out for us. Um, because I will be sitting watching Aaron Lewis in concert. It's it's my Mother's Day gift yeah. that just happened to be tickets in November. So. Yeah, so 
yeah, exactly. So Michelle's right. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be at an Aaron Lewis show. So um, we've had these tickets for a while and it was a Mother's Day gift from me to her for us to go see Aaron Lewis once again. So. Well, and guys said that Bill asked him to get up and talk uh, some time ago and he couldn't do it. We're going to next year. So next yeah. year we're going to make sure that we have no plans in November since that seems to be the month. Well, I think we're going to be doing something maybe earlier, then. like January, February time frame. So we'll see. Um, but we'll have a presentation and everything all set up and ready to go. Um, I've been meaning to work on that and get that done for a while, just in case something like this happened. Uh, well, so Wayne, before you talk about what's coming up on Monday, yeah. let's make sure that we give a couple shout outs to our Patreon members. We've got Dave R. We've got Hava H and Lisa B. And also we need to give those special thanks to our, our first Three YouTube members. Correct. We have Diane Boss. We have Ghost Dragons, who just, if my memory serves me correct, and I know he's, I don't see him in chat. Not I yet. Was, I think it was his birthday yesterday. Um, And then now, now we have Paula Faust. Yeah. And I also see, just looking over in chat real quick, uh, we see Rick Davis has joined. So uh, welcome, Rick Davis. Good to see you again, my friend. Always good to have you in chat. Um, I see uh, Paula Faust is having a blast with her uh, new member emojis pew, pew. in chat. Pew, pew. <laughs> I love how they show up on YouTube. StreamYard, not so much. Like, yeah. they'll give the, the directions, but I'm looking at YouTube right now. Yeah. Yep. So um, just for people that may cute. have not caught the show last time, uh, our last show, we had Bill Konkoleski, who is the Michigan State Director of MUFON, on, and we talked about his experience working with Netflix and um, creating the the uh, episode on Unsolved Mysteries. Um, so we talked about that a little bit. We talked about current goings-on in uh, Michigan and what's been going on in MUFON, which was very interesting. Um the end of the month, we're going to have another special guest on from MUFON. His name is, if I can remember, Rob Switek, and he's kind of a higher up in the world of MUFON. So he's yeah, very he's much the international. Yeah, he's so. very much connected. Um, so absolutely. Um, we're this month is pretty much dedicated to MUFON, but there's been some really crazy stuff going on. But as a side note, uh, Michelle and I were recently on the Michael, Michael, Micah Hanks program where we talked to him about our encounters and um, meeting people like you guys and who we've interviewed and, and some of the things going on that we've kind of figured out. So, um, yeah, I mean, go and check that out. There are links in the episode uh previous episode with uh bill konkoleski to micah hanks show that we did um let's see i see some questions here i want to take some of these questions real quick guy asks wayne did you see the vegas ufo landing family on inside edition well i did not no and we have it and here's one reason why because i love watching inside edition but mm -hmm. we don't have cable we do all streaming Yep. The the cable bills where we're at, they were getting so insanely high. It is cheaper just to have the internet 
and a few streaming services. And I'm not sure that Inside Edition is on our sling. Yeah. So, but I will definitely be looking for that particular um, episode, especially if it was recent. Yep. So to see, because if they're rehashing the the same. I don't think so. The same thing. I haven't heard of anything new. Well, we don't watch Inside Edition, so. So it'll, it'll be at interesting least to see if it's that it. same family. Correct. Oh, nope. He said it looked like uh, it's the, um, they're standing by their story. Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, so our secret guest is uh, trying to call me right now, so. This is <laughs> I'm letting him know what's going on. So if Wayne has to step up, just turn your mic off. I'll talk to people. All right, there we go. All right. Um, oh, Intergalactic <laughs> Angler. Welcome, my friend. Good to see you. Um, and then Lisa asked a question uh, to Paula about how did she get the little uh, emoji icon? I made custom emojis from our logos that will, once you hit that join button and you sign up for the monthly subscription, which I kept extremely low, um, it's like $2.99 a month. You can join to become a member of our channel and you'll get access to the little uh, emojis that we set up. So yeah. But again, if, uh, if you guys got something you want to send us um, and I'm waiting to hear back as well, Here's, uh, here's Janice's uh, yeah, question. Um, but real quick, Michelle, um, now I lost my train of thought. Are you going to talk about Monday? Not yet. But anyways, <laughs> thanks for, for jumping in on me. Uh, anyways, what do we got from Janice here? Janice says, does everyone think that the two alien bodies that were displayed on the news are fake? They are. I don't. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, I don't think they're fake. I'm just, just, just the quick Cliff Notes version. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. I think, I think they, for right now, I'm gonna just say they're not fake. But I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> Uh, Jaime Mosan better not go back to Peru because taking anything out of Peru is a crime. You cannot take things out of, out of Peru like that. Any antiquities or anything, they do not look, they do not look kindly on that. Well, I know any- there's a very big possibility he could be in some massive trouble. So he better not go back there. Lisa says they look fake. I agree. They do look fake. They do look fake. Yep. As a matter of fact, let's put up what we're talking about right well, here. Well, yeah, and I have to look at it. And then, of course, I've been reading about, like, the mummies used as medicinal purposes. That's been from, a thing for for a long time in a I lot know, of cultures. but then when we start seeing mummified pictures, my mind goes to that, and it's... That's a dangerous thought. Yeah. Um, so what are we talking about here? Um, I'm going to show you guys a picture. 
Let me get this uh, screen shared to you guys. Um, bum, 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 bum. Here we go. Sharing it. This thing. This was one of them. Hey, new member. Lisa wanted hey. the emojis. <laughs> Lisa's like, forget the Patreon. I'm going yep. for the membership. Absolutely. Go for the membership so you can get the... Uh, Get the little emoji icons. Very cool. Thank you very much, Lisa. We really appreciate your support on the podcast and joining the little Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal army. Janice said a cake maker made a cake of one of the alien bodies then cut into it. (laughs) I heard somebody describe it as why did somebody said, why did they look like French toast? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> they look like French toast. Absolutely. But I don't, they're okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, they're about three feet tall. Okay. So there's a problem there. Um, Other problems is they are they are what's called the Nazca mummies, and those were two of the Nazca mummies taken out of Peru. And I don't think they were supposed to be taken out of Peru. And like I said, uh, Jaime Massan is going to get himself in a lot of trouble if he snuck those out of Peru. Anything that's so, on sacred ground, you do not touch. Well, they have specific laws about taking yeah. things out of Peru. And you really, you really are not supposed to do that. So anyways, that is the, one of the Nazca mummies. And, uh, yeah, I I think it's a real mummy. And and I don't know about if they did other tests and who's done all the tests on them or not, but they say they're only about 30% DNA is that of human. So, I mean, honestly, it could be a child mummy and they put a death mask on them or something along those lines. So I'm not going to, you know, say that they're aliens, but they're only what tridactyl, which means they have only three digits on their hands, right? Three digits on their hands and feet. So they're definitely something strange. So, International intergalactic angler is saying that was not Nazca mummies in Peru. Didn't come from the same fake place. No way is it a child. It's a big difference. No way is it a child. I'm I'm with Guy. I have no idea on these things. I, I honestly don't either. I mean, I know there have been other ones that have looked like this and they've tested them and they found them to be human children. They're human children mummies. So anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll dig a little bit deeper. I will. uh, I I see the man of the hour back. Somebody somebody has shown up. So we want to go ahead and his hair out a little bit too. All right. All right. Relax. (laughs) Relax. It's okay, Michelle. All right. So anyways, uh, another thing that's really quick you guys want to know about is this Monday, September 18th, I will be a guest at 9 p.m. I will be a guest on the show Texas Front Porch. So uh, we're going to be getting into some great conversations about UFOs and the paranormal and probably cryptids since they're very big on cryptids there. 
So stop by and check out the show. It'll be 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I will try to live stream it at the same time uh, that we're doing it live. So you may see a stream, a live stream start on our channel from Texas Front Porch. If I can't, I will definitely put um, links to the live stream to a show so you guys can uh, jump on over and check out uh, Big Tex. So from Texas, a big cryptid ghost paranormal hunter. Um, I did a surprise guest appearance on uh, Bigfoot Michigan Rob's show, and uh, we talked for quite the while. And uh, so that kind of prompted me going on the individual shows for them over there. All right. Michelle, should I get into this intro and let's uh, get on with the show? Oh, wait a minute. We lost our dude. Oh, wait a minute. There he is. He's back. All right. You ready? You ready, Michelle? Mm -hmm. is, our, is our group ready? Okay, so we have our guest here for like an hour. So let's go ahead and get this started. Michelle and I have been doing this podcast for almost three years and the live show for about eight months now. And we get to meet and talk to many incredible people about the world of UFOs, the paranormal, ancient civilizations, and the like. However, sometimes you get to meet someone that you feel an immediate connection with, whether that person that is in person or not. And our guest tonight is one such person. I first heard him talking on the Richard Serrett program about a year and a half ago, and I was immediately interested in his story and ideas he presented in his book. It's not aliens, worse, it's us. That's right. Literally back from the dead, we have author, explorer, builder, and someone I'm happy to consider a very good friend, though we've never really met in person. But we've talked a lot. It is this guy. Hey. Murphy. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. That that was a I'm gonna use that intro from now on everywhere. So I'm gonna write that one down. Okay. <laughs> I'll just send it to you, man. <laughs> hey, I thanks for having me on. And uh I and I was invited on for everyone listening. I somehow mistook my East Coast and Middle Earth uh oh, I mean uh breadbasket America that I live in for East coast time and realize that I have the times wrong. So, Hey, however long you want to go, hey, I'm no, uh, that's, sorry. That's good. We don't want to keep you too long. So, but we definitely want to say welcome back, Jared. Um, From the dead. We've been worried about you and a lot of things have been going on with you. And uh, I think uh, if you don't mind, give people like the cliff notes a little bit about your background for uh, any, we got a lot of newbies watching and listening to the show via uh, YouTube here. Um, this is great. So, um, yeah. Well, welcome for everyone that's new and for those that have been around for a while. Thanks for coming in and listening and having me on again too. Again, it's been uh, a long journey in Memorial. Well, there's two parts to it. One is I do exactly what Wayne said. I I wrote a book called It's Not Aliens, Worse It's Us, Discovering a Lost History, and that's going to be re-released uh, pretty soon, I think. Uh, we were right in the middle of a year-long re-edit and update and thousands 
thousands of words. It's really a, a rewrite. But uh, that got all put on hold. We had an expedition to Belize. We found some Mayan ruins. We made some relationships. There's some uh, very interesting things going on. Uh, but all of it got stopped and interrupted. I guess that that's really not a huge background about everything I do or um, what I explore, or what I research. But I managed to uh, add dying to a long list of bucket list items. And on Memorial Day, I had what's called a Widowmaker heart attack, which 91% uh, of people die from. I had a 100% blockage of uh, the particular artery that is called a Widowmaker for a reason. Of the people who survive, they do not recover cognitively. Uh, that's less than 21%. And so I'm one of those rare people who, ironically, the hospital is doing, of all the things, guys, the hospital is doing a documentary about at the end of the month. Um, I'm one of the win cases for how they want everyone to turn out. So that'll be, uh, we'll be filming that at the end of the month. Um, there's a number of things going on otherwise between the book and between um, further explorations and what we're going to do with that, that we're going to bring to you. There's some other documentaries I've been mean, working on with Michael Roser from Dark Hour Paranormal and Jim Goodall. Um, all said and done, having a Widowmaker put me in a coma for eight days. Uh, it put me in the hospital for 17 days and they did not know how I was going to recover, but I'm back to doing handstands. Nothing like I'm down 37 pounds and God knows I never thought I needed to lose 37 pounds, but great, <laughs> lose it. You know, yeah. coma, you could, don't go through any withdrawal. So if you're like, like even if it's caffeine, try a coma. <clears throat> so that was um, what really blew me from, uh, from doing anything significant uh, from Memorial Day for a couple of weeks. When I walked, I literally walked out of the hospital. I walked to ICU. I mean, they, they made me take the wheelchair down the front door, but the, the nurse was like, you're the first guy in two and a half years I've ever wheeled out of a ICU unit to a car where I walked out and then went to dinner. For those of you in the Midwest, I had in my mind after being in a coma and being dead that I wanted Rocky Rococo's pizza. And so <laughs> 10 of us went and met and nobody could believe that I went from ICU to Rocky Rococo's in like one evening. But I ended up uh, uh, going through rehab, which just ended last week. So it's been two months of hard physical rehab, which I'm continuing in workouts. Um, the work, for our explorations and our future work uh, around the world that that's continuing my book, you know, just getting out my, just getting out the new version of it's not aliens has been a high priority getting back on my website. I haven't been podcasting. So as Wayne was just introducing, I, I do a lot of exciting, fun things in the world of megalithic research and ancient engineered soil, which is all over the earth that no one ever talks about Terra Preta and how it all connects to maybe a worldwide megalithic, very advanced society. And maybe we've had many, but outside of that conversation, all the fun stuff we could talk about normally, we can also have all the questions you might have about what is it like being dead? So here we are. We got time to kill. How are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we are in week three of the new school year. And for Michelle, it's been going pretty good i won't speak for her she can talk to you but for me this last week has been absolutely vicious man oh um, boy so yeah so the day that i went 
and I actually applied for a new job teaching in a new district. And uh, the day I went and did that, and I told my principal, my boss, that I was doing this because I told him I'd be yeah. completely honest and, you know, let him know. And he was kind of, you know, like, are you kidding me? Okay, well, just let me know what happens. Like, dude, I'm just letting you know. And yeah. uh, so I go and do that interview. It goes really, really well. I come home and not but a few, like maybe a couple hours later, I get a text that one of my colleagues had passed away. Oh, no. So, yeah, she was battling liver cancer for a couple months, and uh, I've known her for eight years. Oh, no. And working with her when I started teaching, she's been there. Amazing person, great teacher. Um, I went on her Facebook today and I've been seeing the posts from former students and stuff. And I can only like read maybe one or two. And then I got to, you know, kind of walk yeah. away because it's very rough with that. And then Friday we had a, a couple good fights and things break out and kids getting suspended. And now on week three, the first time ever in eight years, we've had about 10 students in this ninth grade class actually suspended already. So they're, they're off. To a, yeah. They're off to a terrible start and it, it's just been, you know, very, very rough going already. Yeah, they can be only one. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so Michelle, how's your school year going? <laughs> I mean, I got a couple firecrackers, but I mean, you know, maybe two or three kids that haven't figured out yet that I'm not the one. So, oh. you know, not the one to mess with, not the yeah. one to talk back to, but yeah. I mean, They're gonna it, learn. yeah, pretty much, you know, some will play stupid games and win stupid prizes, but that's, that's middle school. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, here's something for you. Jared, uh, Lisa Bowden says, my brother-in-law survived a Widowmaker, so he's in that little... Uh, oh, nice. We're in the same club. Percentage. Yeah. In, in the little bubble. That, so, it, all right, Jared, since you brought it up, man, what was it like to be dead for a while? Zero. Uh, this will be really anticlimactic for everyone listening. Um <laughs> I don't remember the event or the two days prior. And I do not remember uh, the first couple of days I was awake, you know, when they induce a coma, they, uh, they do it with the intent that not only do you uh, not wake up, but you don't remember. And it's because it helps with trauma. Yeah. So not only was I on fentanyl, I was on like four other extremely you know, street worthy drugs. I was on five of them, including fentanyl, which make you not remember. So, so again, the two days prior to the event, totally deleted, gone. I don't remember. Um, the two days after the event, um, when, or when I woke up after my coma, I guess I kept asking where I was. And one day, apparently they had reduced the drugs enough for me to ask where I was. And they said where I was. And I was able to remember that. But when I was woken up, you know, they unintubate you. And uh, apparently they asked Mr. Murphy, what's your name? And, you know, I'll edit for the sake of our channel or for for all of you PG ears <laughs> out there. But I don't recall saying this, of course, but I had family members there and they like, Mr. Murphy, what's your name? And I'm like, F you. And then 
my family member, my family members looked at each other and went, his brain works. He's okay. <laughs> That's normal. Yeah, he's not, he's fine. They, they really said like, well, he'd been dead. You know, I had a irregular rhythm. They paddled me seven or eight times. They did it at maximum. They're like, one doctor was like, well, look, if we electrocuted you, what's the worst we could do? You're already dead. So I had a cardiac arrest and a heart attack. So for those that distinguish for those people out there, cardiac arrest, your heart stops. It just stops beating. So mine did. Uh, there, uh, someone I met in rehab, they had a full on hundred percent blockage of their Widowmaker. They lived, they sat down, they were on a trail up North and they had to wait two and a half hours for an ambulance. And they talked until the ambulance got there and they were fine and they'd never lost consciousness. And they took them to the hospital and they were, they got their stint put in, you know, and they were totally conscious. Me, I was working and I seizured and I fell over and I end up in a coma. And the next thing you know, you wake up and nothing, no memories, no dreams, no, um, no bright lights, no anything other than it was like a switch went off. Then it went on. And here we are. <laughs> How's that for uh, not exciting? Like, for a certain amount of money, I can tell you I can talk to your dead relative. Pick one. <laughs> I, I wish I could be that, that person. I wish I could be that person. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it's a very odd thing because the first thing I think to myself from a scientific standpoint is, well, what did I, what, what do I know of that time? And that time is, and again, it may be that the drug cocktail that they used completely deleted any experience or memory, but I did not dream. Now, here's what's interesting. My family, various members spent every waking hour with me and uh, they were basically, my. I had friends and family with me 24 hours a day and they would say, you know, move your left toe, move your right toe. This is while I was in the coma and I was responding, apparently, that even though I was out, I was responding to the requests, which I think is fascinating because I literally did not, um, not, not someone who, uh, um, you know, I don't know what dreaming would be like versus being induced coma for eight days. And there's a protocol to wake you up. So the intent was not to take four times to wake me up. The goal was to wake me up after a couple days, not eight days. So yeah. That, that that's all like details for those of you who want to like ponder over it or figure out how maybe it may uh, affect that outer worldly experience. I don't want to burst any bubbles. It's just uh zero. Nada. Hello. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's scary to think about because you hear the stories of, uh, you know, people that were dead and revived later and uh, they have these, out-of-body experiences and you know yeah. we're not all really you know we don't lose anybody kind of thing and uh just real quick though i want to say hi to janine so welcome janine good seeing you and then we have another new member we have girl in the desert who officially became a youtube member so um, you get access to the cool little new emojis. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you becoming a member. So very much. So, you know, Jared, this is a good question to go with. What have you learned from your experience? This is from intergalactic angler. Well, you know, the, the thing it's so 
you know, it's interesting. We're dialoguing about it. And when you watch a movie, like there's an incident that happens and you can point to the one incident. The thing is that when something like this happens, I was going along not intending to be struck by lightning. So my work in Belize, my work on my book, my work on my my podcast and my and my contributors and the and the, and the and the mechanics of what I had to do to move, you know, get through the next documentary I'm producing, and what am I bringing to the public? And my my website was being revamped, and all that work was happening. And so when you die what's part of what changes is you'd be surprised as you will not, I will guarantee not knowing anyone's family out there and friends, but you will be surprised who your friends are, who your family really is, who uh, jumps on to what's happened to you as if it's happened to them. Not they have a similar experience, but they take your tragedy and make it your theirs. Hmm. Um, I had people, uh, you know, I, in my, um, I had people um, essentially betray me financially. Um, so when you wake up, also you're still under these drugs. So as much as you think you're either being clear mentally or not, there's a weight that is an undescribable weight of consciousness that doesn't change who you are, but it slows you down. So if, when, when I immediately got out of the hospital for me, it's, I, I understand. So one of the things that I haven't explained yet that Wayne said, give me a little background for everyone is I do self-exploration, which means I do movement, which is like Edel Portal or Erwin LaCour of MoveNat. I climb, I, I, I experiment with uh, breathing techniques and consciousness techniques like with Wim Hof. I met Wim Hof the first time he came to America. Me and a small group of people met him at Treasure Island in San Francisco. He had never been to America. And so the Wim Hof breathing method and the consciousness exercises, those are all part of my, my who I am and what I do. And when you end up dead and you come out of it, you know, it's like on one hand, you got a lot of people who want to help you. On the other hand, it's like you had balls you wanted to juggle. And what I've learned isn't a one time, this is a stop point, start and go, the gun went off, it's time for the race. It's kind of like you've been running the same race, except suddenly the, the crowd, which consists of all your family and friends and anyone else, is able to throw their bottles of beer and their hot dogs at you at the same time. And so you don't get to stop running. You don't get to stop and look back at the one event. You keep going and you, granted, there are people who give up. There are people who quit. There are people who don't want to be anything or go anywhere or do anything. I don't, I, I you, you know, you can get really sad. Um, I was told that I may not want to do anything for months. They told me I might not be capable. I'm, I'm lifting free weights and I've been cleared to go, by the way, it's been two months. I've been cleared to go back climbing. So I'm actually me climbing this weekend, but the, it's a very interesting position in that what you learn is continuous and it's thrown at you, not only because you're still on your original program, but people you really thought had your corner when you get betrayed and when you get mm -hmm. um, taken advantage of, or, you know, your voice isn't heard and your health is literally on the line. 
and recovery. It's not a matter of like, literally, I got told the minute I walked out of the, before I walked out of the hospital, it was, do not stress yourself out. <laughs> so when some of the, <laughs> so it's really funny to think, what did I learn from the experience when I'm literally actively managing people I thought loved and cared deeply for me were taking advantage of what happened to me. And then at the same time, we're, we're undermining me at things that were my clients and my job. And I'm, and then you're being told two dozen things from one set of doctors. And at the same time, the same doctors are saying, well, you could do this, or you might not do that, or you could do this, but it could hurt that, or it won't hurt that. You should try this. And you're like, how am I making sense out of all this? And so you're, this isn't a one-time event that changed me. This is an event that has, like, I think for all of us in each of our lives, this is just an acute point of pressure that I can, on one hand, maybe better than some people point to it. But the reality is, I think it's just part of a series of things that we all go through on a daily basis to make the decisions we do in order to live. And in my case, it really did maybe fine tune some of the static out for me to see some people that weren't even on my radar is I should not give them time. I should not give this person my business. I should not focus over here. I should focus over there. And you don't, um, I didn't want to know some of those things. Like I, I, you know, I didn't want to have to process. I really can't believe I don't like that person or um, I can't believe, you know, you know, th those are the things that are, immediately coming to mind. It's not a simple cliche of, you know, now I'm not dead and I'm living my life to fulfill every, because I do think you should get up every day and be work on the things you're passionate about. I mean, that's just who I've always been. I was always, a, I never wanted to be, uh, if the only thing left of me on this planet was my book, that would be a great start. I mean, maybe people will really find it amazing in 500 years. They're like, I can't believe this guy was already talking about this stuff. You know, I, I, I feel like right. that was something that is great, but I don't, I don't have a, oh my gosh, I have so much to accomplish or so much to do left. Am I, is this all good or am I rambling? Focus me in here. No, you're, well, no, it would, I mean, what it sounds like in through any sort of like trauma or track tragic event, it's that shifting of the inner circle. I completely understand it. Yeah. When I went through my divorce, my circle of what I thought were a core group of friends, I found out just like you, it was like, who's the close, who's the true friend or yeah. friends and who is not. Yeah. But yeah. I will tell you when, when Goodall got a hold of Wayne and told him what had happened, but Wayne and I looked at each other first in disbelief. We were like, no, Jared's like invincible. This didn't happen. Right. We were just talking about Belize, you know, I when know. you guys were going to go. Yeah, we were We were just on the <laughs> phone right before that happened. I know. We were, it, like it's... the day before or something. And so, I mean, my first question to him was, where where do we need to fly to? Are we flying to Utah? Are we going? He goes, I yeah. don't know if he's in Utah or if he's in Minnesota. It's like, right. yeah. It was, uh, yep. I, I, I get what you're saying too, because it, it's gotta be a weird experience to have, I don't want to say a near death experience. NDE, no, I was dead. Technically Go, you were all the way, Wayne. I was, you dead. were, yeah, there was no <laughs> near about it. You were, you were dead. Now, how long were you dead for? I was on and say? off dead for 45 minutes. So like my heart would start and then it would stop and I would be flatlined and gone. And then, so they did not actually get me going. So from the time that I 
had a full-on blockage and seizure. They looked like a seizure and they had paramedics to me in six minutes. I'll give everybody, this is an interesting perspective. So I was down and the paramedics probably came to, I was seizure. It looked like I was seizuring. I was sitting on front step because I had not been feeling good for a while, folks. I had not thought it was a heart attack. I had, I was essentially asymptomatic, but yet I felt exhausted and I asked for something I haven't asked for in 12 years, which was an ice cream sandwich. And I sat on the front step and I'd asked for aspirin, which I never do. Uh, so I must have had a headache and I didn't feel good. And the next thing you know, I have a seizure. They have paramedics to me in six minutes. They have me on something called a Lucas machine, which pumps your heart and it, um, it pushes and it sucks. So it knows now it's wonderful. The machine is making your heart do its job, but it's also crushing your sternum, which is so painful because it still hurts and cracks and it's weird. Did I break four ribs? Yeah, I've broken ribs before, but breaking your cartilage is a whole other animal. And there are plenty of skateboarders out there who probably know what I'm talking about or well, anyone who's torn a rib from a cartilage, that's just a treat. But um, I met someone at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival whose sister, who had gotten into shape, she had um, really turned her life in a great direction, and she was 42 years old, dropped di- dropped with a widowmaker at a laundromat, had paramedics in six minutes. I mean, I walked out of the hospital in 17 days. I asked, how did she do? And he said that we unplugged her after two months of being brain dead. And she was down for six minutes. I was down for six minutes. Why am I here talking to everyone and normal at, or the gentleman I met in rehab, who's literally getting picked up by ambulances two and a half hours later. And he's talking the whole time and doesn't even pass out. And he doesn't even end up in a coma and he's just as fine as I am. And it's, it's just an odd thing to go functioning, but I was 45 minutes from the time that I dropped to the time that I had a heart stint was 70 minutes. So for everyone out there, think about that. Like you want to go to the doctor, good luck getting in from the time you drive to the hospital, meet, you know, wait in the lobby and see someone and how long that goes. I went from dropping dead on the front of the step, getting a Lucas machine and oxygen within six minutes, being at the hospital, probably in the same amount of time, about six minutes. But the entire time took 70 minutes, just over an hour, and I had a heart stint. Now, not everyone lives in a place to do that, but the fact that I was in a research hospital, uh, a hospital that is, you know, it's it's partnered with the Mayo Clinics and the University of Minnesota. There is a lot of incredible doctors, uh, maybe luck, Dr. Smith. He's a world expert on EKGs. He's teaching AI to read it because... Uh, for the last 15 years, he's taught doctors how to really read EKGs because they can be misread, and they are, and the st- and the frequencies that they look at. But I've got to go back and meet the team of doctors that immediately got me in the hospital, and I got some really brilliant people immediately, including Dr. Smith. And then there was a series of really excellent surgeons that were involved when they did the heart stent. But I was straight up dead, and one of the doctors... Um, um, Krishna, he had to meet me. No, no joke, Doctor Krishna, um, <laughs> and I, and and the nurse that for everyone that we were, I was, I mentioned earlier that I was wheeled to a car. One of yeah. my favorite nurses in uh, ICU. No joke, he's from Tibet, and his name is Karma. So I had a Karma and a Krishna, and there's a Buddha. 
I'm not, I'm not making this up. So, uh, karma's yeah, the, I'm getting wheeled to the, he goes like, you're the first person in two and a half years I've ever wheeled to a car. And then there I was with this doctor that had worked on me. They double paddled me at maximum. I was dead. They could not get my heart to stay started. And they wouldn't do the surgery until they would could, could do that. So there's there's some things to digress and discuss there. But the reality is they got my heart going after doing it at maximum about four times at maximum. They did it like seven or eight times. They had to paddle me. So I kept dying. And I kept being dead. And they kept restarting it. And, uh, you know, at the point that they're paddling me, I'm not on oxygen. So there's 45 minutes in there that are really questionable as to like how functional or not is my body being when my heart's, when I'm dead, if that is graphic enough for everyone. Yeah, dude, it's, you know, it's amazing that you're here. It just, I guess it boils down to like, I'm sure there's all kinds of variables and, you know, what you eat, what your blood consistency was at the time versus, you know, the, the lady that had to be taken off of life support and things like that. So yeah. one, of the, one of the things I was wondering is, you know, you were not an out of shape guy. You were no. active before this. Um, obviously yeah. you just went to Belize and did some explorations down there. Um, and I know we had a conversation. So, so this is going to be like one of those weird roundabout kind of rambling on questions for you. Cause it's a lot. I want to throw at you. Um, Go for it. So it, you did all of this stuff. You were doing Wim Hof. I, I had seen you on the American Stonehenge videos and you were getting around fine you seemed perfect you know like everything was good um and then you have this but then there was an element and i'm not going to mention any names or anything of people in belize um that really started to show some true colors and things and now you're having this widow maker heart attack, they don't know, you know, and then there's these other people around you that don't know if you're going to survive and whatever. And, and yeah. you're taken out of the picture. And I can only imagine what that's like for a period of time um, to be like gone. You don't know what's everything has stopped for you. Time reality, yeah. everything is done. And then you're snapped back in to a total, almost like a totally different reality based on yeah. people. Right. And their, their behaviors and, and what they think they can do and not do. And, and you're starting to now make these judgment calls of like, okay, that person crap, that person. Okay. Yeah. You know, that family member yeah. out of here, you know, things like that. And uh, I, I guess it's like, how do you try to come back from, and, and guys, I know this isn't paranormal and, and all this stuff, but maybe it is. Maybe. Maybe some of this <laughs> stuff will help people. I don't know, but it, it, it's weird because I, I wrote this like little diatribe today on Facebook and in, I don't know, it's like three or four paragraphs about 
what a shitty week this was that I've had to deal with all of this stuff. And it it's, it's just basically you can, you can flip the script on the bad things that happen to you. You know, it's like, do you want to get depressed and, and feel like crap and just be a prisoner in your own mind and let those things go? Or do you see this as like, okay, at any point you can be taken off of this planet, you know, yeah. at, at any point. And when we're young dudes, we, we stick the middle finger up to death all of the time. Like we're, we're constantly just challenging, you know, doing stupid crap. But when you get older and, and I, you know, I said, oh, okay, what, what's going on, Wayne? Are you having a midlife crisis? No. What I've done is I've taken a deep breath and I've looked around and became very present just this morning. I just became very present in where I am right now and thinking about time, how much time we have left. We don't know when that last sand grain is going to fall out of that, yeah. that hourglass. And what do we what is our pretend our potential and what are we leaving on the, on the table? If something like that happens and I'm thinking about my colleague who passed away, who touched a, a huge number of people and kids lives in church, you know, she's very church uh, going lady, always volunteering for things at the school, at the church, taking care of her granddaughter. Yeah. I mean, just one of these people that constantly give and it's like, what do you what do you do with that? And then when you really take an inventory of the people around you, like do do I leave? What am I leaving on the table? Am I living to my own like potential, man? And so I guess yeah. you're being snapped back in from from being okay, feeling sick, and then you're waking up in a hospital. And you don't know what's going on. I guess it's just like, and probably your situation made me think about a lot of this stuff back when it happened to you as well. Cause Michelle yeah. and I were like, we were basically like on the floor when we got that news from Jim, uh, about what happened and like, what, what is going on here? You know? So like I said, it, it's, you know, it's a roundabout way to, to throw a bunch of stuff out there and just have you like react, I guess, to well, my blabbering. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, there's a lot to say. One is uh, something I forgot to mention is some people have asked, like, do you think anyone tried to kill you? Did you get the COVID vax? Oop, did I say that? No, I mean, did I get that one thing with the medical right. procedure? No. What the hell? Of course not. Um, so, you know, I got sick with that with a cold in November, a couple of years ago, I lost my sense of smell. I was basically, you know, I had a headache for, it was bad for a couple of weeks, but I was fine. Um, there's, there's some, for those that want to think of statistics about if you just, you know, get certain sicknesses, are you more susceptible to like heart or other things? I have not had any change in my healthcare plan. I don't have any vaccines that I think would affect me uh, because I don't do that. But then there was like, hey, do you think maybe it was intentional? And I rule that out because I just don't think I'm remotely important. Um, I just don't think I've written it. I mean, if someone, 
Yeah, yes, I would like uh, very much like my book released and for all of you to buy the new version of it. Until then, just watch my YouTube videos and my my pre-recorded lectures from like America's Stonehenge. That kind of gives you an overview and my documentary TerraCore that would give you like the outline of what I'm talking about. So I don't think, um, yeah, I think I'm one of the only people that have pieced together a number of evidences that really point towards a different story of our past. And it does affect our current history and it does affect our future. Do I think anybody would have like killed me for that? No, I don't think so. But then again, it's supposed to look like accidents, right? So there's that. Wait a minute. Let's flip that script though real quick. Maybe. Okay. So nobody was trying to kill you. At least you don't think so because of anything you discovered or yeah. you're working on. No. But what if we flip that script and say, is there a universal power that decided you're not done with that yet. You've got to finish that thing. So and you got to finish this and put it out there because you're not supposed to survive, man. Well, that is that, that there is another narrative for how good you want the movie to go. Your version so far better. <laughs> but I don't know if there's a chase scene with like people trying to shoot at you and stuff that might do good. I mean, if they are or, trying to kill you, what is it? Omens and demons or whatever. Yeah. Um, I do think that, again, it's the event. There there was a number of, I will say the last nine months have been, I put myself under stress that I think I, for those of you out there who wonder whether or not you're under stress, or, or more importantly, people like me who thought I was handling the stress well, that I wasn't as stressed as I actually was, I definitely must have, I must have found out a very wonderful way to repackage stress, to not understand exactly how much I was stress eating for the first time in over a decade, how much I wasn't working out as much as I had been. I think the tr planning everything, trying to trying to juggle everything to get to where I was, not just for the expedition. And there was some definitely some trials on the expedition, but then to come back and then I hit the ground running and I'm like, okay, we got all this data we have to process still, which I still have to process. We have and 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 you know video and pictures and there's so much to get out of the trip from Belize, but then to pick everything up and keep running, uh, when you have these messes in front of you again, you know for everyone listening, like I think it's a standout question to ask: How has it changed you? And it's not just the event; it's the people around you that have changed because of your event. Good, and good, yes, I like that. And, and so when you wake up and one, I don't feel that this actually happened to me. Like I wake up and I have no pain. I have no memory. Well, okay. I'm full of needles. I got a feeding tube through my nose and I got multiple needles that I have no idea are really long. I had no idea until they started yanking them out. How long those needles, how far they go up your damn vein. Damn. So I'm glad all those, all those got pulled out two hours before I got walked out of the hospital. Um, good thing they seal up fast. So I can say that, you know, that you've got all these things that have changed that are changing. That's the thing. The event is not a singularity where it's a mark in time where you say everything changed at that point. Even now, and it's only been a couple months, everything's changing. I mean, I just got the all clear that my heart stint is likely healed but they told me it'd be four to six months and the safety zone is one year. But the m better I do, the more like they, th so you have to, so for those of you who haven't done this, 
uh, hospital like discerning like one you want to have you want to make your own decisions but you want to be discerning about what you're being told but what you're being told can be so authoritative or sounds like good advice or what you want to hear or you're going the opposite route and then the very same doctors can over time reveal more based on how you're doing and say well i didn't want to tell you this at the beginning or now that you're doing this and we should do this and now that your heart you know it's like again part of it is seeing scientifically for them how you change how i change physically the other part though is that if you were to believe everything you're told from a third party friend or family or or a scientific community if you were not to take your own health in your own hands and treat yourself well you could do some damage I think personally, just my opinion, that not focusing on your own recovery. I again, I was walking every day. I was doing things. I the problem with a ticking time bomb when you have a heart stint, and when you've had this kind of damage to your heart, it's trying to work while it's damaged. So it's it's not like a broken leg, or something that. Uh, maybe this is a bad analogy, but the idea is that you have to rest off of that leg completely, be on crutches don't walk on it at all and then eventually get a boot and eventually or eventually you can walk on it a little bit your heart cannot stop working so at no point a i'm supposed to be stressed out so bad people in your life and they stress you out and oh and if you're irish and remotely have a temper um when people are idiots and assholes and you, they say and do things that you just want to just let them have it for how they treated you and you literally cannot have those feelings. It's not a, it's not like, well, I'm going to feel it a little bit. No, you just got told that you're going to die or cause yourself harm and a heart attack or, or damage if you don't let it go. So it's a very strange place to be in when you have orders that cannot be disobeyed uh, and your life continues on. And so every day those changes are happening every day. The event that you had at that one day is changing based on the reactions and the conversations and the dialogues and the exchanges and everything that you're doing with everyone every day at all hours is constantly a new event, uh, an extreme event, because it's an extreme thing to not be stressed out on a daily basis. It's an extreme thing to prioritize no matter what the argument is that you have with the people you care most about that you cannot be stressed about to then get up every day and practice and uh, the, make the art of healing your primary practice and then uh, live your life from that really changes uh, everything. And it's just not that one day we, we, I get to look back at. It's today and every day moving forward and every hour. It just doesn't, it's not a constant thought process of, oh, I was dead. No, the constant thought process is, healing and the, 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 some, well, all the things I just said. Yeah. Um, Dave Wright on YouTube says my experience has been these major events reset in quotes, your life to continue on your journey. He's right. I'm, 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 I just had a birthday. So I turned one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Technically I'm only three months old, but I'll take it. We'll just design this, you know, in September and I've turned one. I look pretty good for one. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be uh, around when they're changing your diaper. Though. I was going to say, do we need to send you one of those little cakes that you get to smash? 
I made a messy. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So there, you guys take well, that like, image. Like the uh, uh, the commercial, Michelle and I will be sitting watching TV together, and then there's a, what a Pampers commercial with the blowout barrier. <laughs> the blowout barrier. Oh, but, I'm oh not seeing the the facial expressions the face- of those babies. It's classic. Oh, it's that's great. Classic. Just like, huh? Yeah that that would be wonderful to see. I have not seen that. Oh my God, you have to see that. It's hilarious. No, I will I will look it up after this. But yeah, yeah, the um yeah, it's it's quite a thing because like you said, you gotta grab every day, which is something we all get away from. I think that's the point of vacations, it's the point of when we make special dates or or have special events, even birthday parties. I mean, I think that all of us think that maybe the next event or the next special festival or their birth whatever any of these things can be these moments of reset where we not only gather and celebrate but or or mourn you know in the times of funerals and and a sort of other ceremonies that there are times where i think i i think that we just make it uh some of us make it a priority to reset and and move forward with a renewed um you know, it's not just as simple as saying, you know, I've made a resolution for the New Year's, but I think that's really more of one of the deeper intents is to start anew and do it and yeah. and, and not settle, not uh, settle into complacency to let your life just, you know, wither away and do or be nothing. And it doesn't have to be fame. It just has to be following your passion and, and that that joy and that I think isn't fleeting. I think that's a permanent mark on the world if you go for that, but yeah. not, not trying to weigh people's value that way. It's just, a, it's not, it's, it's a hard thing. Cause I feel like I've, you know, the, the bummer part of it, um, not being, you know, no one likes to be in the hospital. A uh, lot of shots, a lot of blood loss, a lot of blood testing, a lot, a lot of needles and a lot of discomfort 24 hours a day. Um, despite all the drugs to help you not be in pain. But then um, to be here with you now, uh, despite how well things have recovered, it's feeling con- like one of the other downers is feeling constantly behind and yeah. not be stressed about it. Don't be stressed. I'm on a different reset. I'm only one years old. How much can right. I do? <laughs> how much stress can a one-year-old have? Right. It's amazing. If you're a real go-getter, it can be huge. Look at Mozart. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, those are the a lot on your plate. Well, the difference is that I am, I've been credited by many people personally um, who are witnessing it is they've seen me ironically slow down. Uh, not to the point where I forget that I'm supposed to be on a show with one of my good friends. Sorry guys. <laughs> um, I really I'm thought changing. we were on the same time zone. And I realized, Oh my gosh, we're in the wrong time zone. I'm screwing this up. Um, I shouldn't go more behind the green curtain, so I'll shut up. But the uh, <laughs> I just uh, don't have uh, I'm I'm not concerned. I'm I think now with you and a lot of the other uh, friends and f- people that are in my life that you know we're 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 doing things that I think we're really excited about that are going to really change things and. Um, be really exciting for a lot of people, entertaining and exciting for people in the future. So I have no doubt that we're going to get to do all those things together 
and there's going to be a lot of great new memories, but the, for a while looking at my life on a daily basis, it's really hard not to be stressed out and then look at my daily momentum and say, well, I, you know, I have the most important things, the health and family and all that, but it's, it is hard when you're used to going to a certain speed or, or yep. I thought that the speed was more relevant to that accomplishment than it, it really is. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, um, I know you said you only had about an hour, but uh, would you be, or do you need to go now? No, let's okay. keep going. Why don't we do this? We've been going for an hour and 15 minutes. Let's say, let's take like a five minute break. Okay. Everybody get up, stretch, get something to drink, come back. And I would like to talk a little bit about your Belize expedition. Okay. And what, what you guys, you know, were able to discover down there, um, you so know, what you under. can talk about in, in yep. future plans, uh, yep. what, you know, we can talk about. Um, yeah. We'd also like your insight on what you think those uh, <clears throat> things are that they uncovered. It, yeah. Okay. I'm sure you've seen the, the, because oh, yeah. you have your experience with, your documentary and things like that. So, you know, Nazca lines and Peru and all of, you know, yep. the megalithic stuff. So we'd like to definitely get your feedback on that. So why don't we do that? Sound good? Yeah, it sounds good. So we'll take five. We'll take five. Say all right, when. Jared, I'm going to send you to the back. All right. All right, Michelle. You send me to the back too. Are you ready to go to the, yeah, the back just, room? I've okay. just been chatting with girl in the desert. <laughs> yes. So, so I see uh, Dave Wright. Thanks for joining us, man. Girl in the desert's keeping it busy right now. So that's awesome. All right, Michelle, I'm sending you back. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and do this uh, little five minute break and we will be right back. Traveling near New Boston, Michigan, hungry. Well, then you need to check out New Boston Coney and Grill tucked away at 37005 Huron River Drive with daily specials, homemade soups and desserts, and a staff that makes you feel like family. You will not be disappointed. Give them a try for dine-in or carry-out at 734-606-5313. You can find their page, including their menu, on Facebook. Bon Appetit! Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hey there, it's Richard Serrett, occasional weekend guest host of Coast to Coast AM, and host of The Conspiracy Show. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle's Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, this is Terry Lane Keel, Director of MUFON Memberships, Investigator, Demonologist, and Author of Alien Healing, The True Story of a Benevolent Extraterrestrial. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. 
What is up, you guys? It's your girl, Gemma Jade, from Gemma Jade YouTube, Moonbear Oracle, Paranormal Chop Shop. You're here listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. All right, everybody. We are back live on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Tonight, we are joined by the one and only our surprise guest, Jared Murphy, joins us tonight, and we'll be bringing him back on here shortly. So just real quick, wanted to talk to you guys, and uh, I see that we were asked a question by Dave Wright, and he asked, can I tell my UFO story? Absolutely. Dave, uh, what you should do is like write everything down, type it all up, and get it sent over to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. And we will definitely take a look at your story and, um, you know, maybe get you to come on and talk about your experience. We've had plenty of experiencers that have come on the show um, since Michelle and I started this. It was all about our experience um, that kind of thrust us into this. But again, just go ahead and send it to us. And I see Diane, the boss, has shown up in chat. Welcome, Diane. Good to see you. Glad you are here. Another member of the Michigan UFO Sightings Army or whatever we are. Who knows? So, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, Dave. Write, write that up and send it to us and we will be in contact. Now, I did have some things I wanted to share from another listener, but I want to make sure that I have his permission uh, to share um, his videos. He sent me like three videos of some very interesting stuff, um, but I haven't heard back from him with permission. So that might be saved for the next episode. But again, we are joined tonight by the one and only Jared Murphy. He is the author of It's Not Aliens, Worse, It's Us. He is a documentarian. He wrote a documentary and filmed a documentary called Terra Core, which I'm going to talk to him about. He's an explorer. He's been down to Belize, made some great contacts, and we are kind of working together on some things about what uh, what we're going to do in the future. And I want him to kind of lead into that a little bit. And let's see, what else has Jared done? I know, let's just get Jared on. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. Go to his website and go to his YouTube channel over at Not Aliens and check it out. Um Jared, so before we get into like the uh, Belize expedition, how everything went, I know we talked briefly about that after you got back. Uh, yeah. The, 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 when I was in the military, we always used to say the, the first plan never survives contact with the enemy. Right. So I know there was a lot of things that, you know, you took away and we're learning from that trip. And, and I want to, uh, talk about that a little bit but um yeah so well i think oh sorry go ahead was there no i i was just you know i i'm kind of stuck on the whole uh 
trying to control your stress levels as a ninth grade science teacher who, and you keep on saying, you know, being Irish and controlling your temper, probably being well, Scottish and those, Swedish and yeah. teaching inner I'll city grudge forever. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So there's the, uh, you know, everyone likes the, there's just general idiocracy. It's entertaining, but I do think that for those that, you know, the, the carrots or the uh, little uh, tidbits we're dropping right now, which would be about, hey, well, whether it's Belize or whether it's somewhere else, one of the things that we wanted to do that kind of came to fruition with Wayne and I, for those uh, listening, was that we've been able to get a process where we think that kids in schools here or in any other country would be able to experience maybe uh, research live and on camera and be able to participate not only in a classroom where they're learning the sciences of uh, various, uh, you know, light fields or waves and frequencies and energies and whatever the math or the sciences or the chemistries, we'd have a relatable on the ground subject that they would be able to participate in. And that's something that Wayne and I are looking at doing. So somebody who is maybe in the, you know, inner city Detroit or in the middle of the breadbasket of America, or just like in some urban environment who would never have uh, remotely a chance to explore a jungle or explore uh, a remote site, they'd be able to do it within the confines of their classroom and still go home at the end of the day. But maybe also like uh, with shared information, through not alien. So, well, well, we'll have another company for it, but the idea would be is that the kids would be able to participate with the adventure and also continue with their education in science. And Wayne's helping with that for all yeah. Of those. Yeah. It, it was, that doesn't affect your day job. <laughs> right. Not yet. Um, but it was something I was thinking about, you know, being able to bring that experience live into the classroom without them, you know, having to worry about having rich parents that could send them on thousand dollar trips to do it in real life, yeah. you know. Oh, thousand um, dollar trip, that'd be a deal, Wayne. Yeah, thousand dollars. That, that's, that's amazing. What, just to fly halfway there. Uh that I don't think gets you off the plane, no. But uh <laughs> it, it, they, they kick you out the door about three quarters of the way. Yeah, or they drop you off at least where you were. This is as far as the bus takes you, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah, really. That would That'd be fun. Like, where does a thousand bucks get you now? It's really sad. But um, these trips, I mean, the airfare going to some of these, these, these were 12 to $1,700 airfares. Jeez. Um, but there are places, depending on where you are in the country or the world, I mean, they could be $700 or 800 So you could get them there for less than a thousand. But yeah. that isn't the point. It's just a commentary on the expense. So sorry for that digression. But yeah, so so Belize, you went down there with a crew of people and um, for basically like initial boots on the ground and yeah. initial exploration. What'd you find? Or what well, you can was, talk about? Well, so for what we can say for the sake of uh, some some stuff is under. Uh, we can't re we can't really discuss some of it because, you know, it was. uh what we were looking for was what well, we ended up finding signs of archaeological theft and to the tune of millions. 
uh, we were able to help identify uh, activity, which wasn't our goal. We were looking for a large area that was privately owned that had Mayan ruins that no one had ever really done any actual exploration on ever. And uh, Belize, for people who don't know, is the only country in Central America whose first language is English. It was a British colony and is tucked right in with Guatemala. And so for those that are familiar with just Mayan civilization in general, which at a minimum goes back a couple thousand years, Belize is central to, if there was no maps of Central America, it wasn't Guatemala, it wasn't Belize, but that area was just one area you are smack dab in the middle of what would be the oldest portions of the Mayan empire, whether it's on the Pacific or whether it's on the Atlantic there with Belize, that area of Central America is really, really old, which doesn't bring us to Peru or what you want to talk about later when it comes to those mummies. Mm -hmm. But there is an over um, arching theme of, megalithic constructions that are in, you know, whether it's a large statue now, but, you know, dynastic builders like the Mayans, the Olmecs, the Toltecs, there's hundreds of tribes that don't really get, or smaller groups of people, civilizations that aren't really qualifying. Like when we think of Mayans or Aztecs, you know, as far as the construction methods or how they built and we credit a lot of these large buildings, but what we don't really think much about a lot of people is the size of the constructions and Belize, just like Guatemala, just like central of the rest of Central America has many buildings, including Mexico, where you have megalithic construction, where you have, you know, like 600 ton blocks and then little tiny blocks like very well and and manageable stuff like the size of your. Well, if you call the size of your average home television manageable and so they'll have large megalithic constructions and heads and statues and things that seem to have been repurposed from an older time. And then you have these smaller construction pyramids that mimic the larger ones, but they're not built by the same people. They didn't have the same technology. They, they couldn't produce the same work. And it was interesting to go, at having not been in the country before and work uh, for an area for a private owner that had vast amounts of unexplored territory that that's that's literally getting in the jungle like Indiana Jones and you're looking for ruins that no one's ever found and you're looking for remnants of those ruins and and they're everywhere and it was really exciting and then finding signs that other people found value there and were stealing but you know you're able to like locate uh something you didn't expect and of course you know for those of you listening yeah it's a little dangerous and scary maybe we could have found a site that was occupied and could have had armed people who were in the middle of uh, doing things that. So you, you know, basically f had treasure looters, yeah. like, like tomb robbers out there. Yeah. Which you getting yep. into things. Yeah. Which you got to make sure you're not going to run into, or if you are that you're prepared to like, you know, and we're like out of a movie, you know, we're with Bushmen with, with rifles and, and uh, we're able to, uh, you know, we're carrying big machetes and knives and, and it's uh, very much like a movie a little bit. Uh, but the reality is it's not what we were expecting to run into or deal with or anything like that. It's just 
one of those excitement points for those listening. And so it's pretty much where your wildest imagination go. On the other hand, it's, um, you know, it's not uh, as exciting as like when you, you know, anticlimactic and that, yeah, we didn't have to worry about being shot at or anything like that. Ultimately that isn't what happened, but it could have. And yes, there are um, bullet ants, pit vipers, and uh, what's the other big one besides panthers? Uh, boy, there's something else besides. Yeah, panthers. There was a couple oh, paw prints. The paw prints would easily be bigger than a, a man's hand. The paw so, prints were big, uh, big kitties. Is that pumas down there as well? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, they um, are not tiny. Uh, yeah. but they also, you know, they're going to come at you from behind. So it's best to like, it's, you know, we're traveling a large group, so it's, we're not the kind of people you'd want to run into. Oh, killer bees. Don't let me forget about killer bees. So yeah, the, that the big vipers and the bullet ants. And you had to, uh, also cut through the jungle that saw grass, right? Oh my gosh. How could I forget about razor grass <laughs> or razor um, grass? That's it. Uh, the great thing about razor grass guys is that you can be, be just barely brush up against, just barely brush up against it. And it is so it is razor sharp. It will cut you. And if you're afraid of it, just cutting like your ankles or your feet, don't worry. Razor grass grows six, eight feet tall. And it is razor sharp. And our main Bushman could hack through it in a dress shirt and barely break us. He was the real Indiana Jones. It was ridiculous. Hector was incredible. The man could hack through the jungle with a bag in one hand and with a machete in the other, and literally cut a tunnel through six, eight foot razor grass and not get cut. Uh, some of us were bloody from just hacking and, and the thorns, every tree, bush plant has thorns, needles, pins, things that are all designed to basically keep all organic life out. I think it was the second day in the jungle where I think one of us looked at someone else and went, where are the bugs? It was too hot for bugs. And it was too, um, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was an odd thing because we thought we would have flies and mosquitoes. And I don't think almost, I don't think any day in two weeks, any of us saw a mosquito. It was just too damn hot. So ironically, we did see bullet ants. And for those of you who don't know, bullet ants are on the list of extreme things to experience in life because apparently being bit by bullet ant, if you've been unlucky enough to have already been shot, apparently that's why they call them bullet ants because it is identical to feeling as if you've been shot. That's why they call them bullet ants because it's that painful. So, it's just, so basically the whole environment down there is designed to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Or basically tell you to get the F out. Every 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 inch of it. So it, it it's really no wonder why a majority of it does not get explored, or it's not for the faint of heart. And Goodall, uh, Jim, one of my best friends, and you know Jim Goodall came, and he's seventy eight, folks, and he's a tank. I mean, I'm six two, but Jim, I look up at Jim. I don't know what his original height was, but he's at least six three. And <laughs> I look up at I look up at him and. He's got a he's got a walking stick, and that man trolled through the jungle like the rest of us. And uh, it, it is quite possible to traverse, and Jim managed it. And it was uh, it's quite a place. It's quite a thing to see. Didn't um, he have to get stitches at one point? Yeah, uh, multiple like 
15 or 11, a lot of stitches because we went to one of the existing archaeological sites on a day that it decided to uh, rain. And by rain, you could have taken a shower outside. It was so hard. It came down uh, for about 40 minutes, but he was walking down a staircase on the side of the Lubatoon, uh, one of the, the pyramid areas. And instead of, instead of taking the steps, he took the grass and he slipped. And it was horrible, the uh, the two cuts in his leg. So we went straight to a, a hospital that was in town, which was fortunately very close. And he got stitched up. But it blows my mind that he ended up with uh, like 11 or 15 stitches off the side of that pyramid, which he credits to the Mayan gods, his sacrifice <laughs> to why we had such a good time finding other ruins. Oh, my God, dude. That's yeah. crazy. Well, not sure. On, uh, not <laughs> sure on um, YouTube. Ask wasn't a crystal skull found in Belize? Are you very close? In fact, uh, where we're looking at for where for everyone listening for what Wayne and I have been talking about about this program that we might be working on is part of a what might be some further research that I'm doing in Belize in an area that is within 30 miles of where the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull was found. And not only the Mitchell Hedges, which is obviously the one that everyone that you everyone talks about, right? Mitchell Hedges, crystal skull, crystal skulls, Indiana Jones, Mitchell Hedges, crystal skull. That was found very close to this uh, where we're gonna continue to do work. But there's also crystal jaguars and, or maybe I guess, I guess they could look like a panther or a puma, but, uh, there's uh, crystal jaguars and or um, there was also crystal there's so this area didn't just have crystal skulls they and different kinds of crystal so they would they would carve other objects and they've all been found very close to the area that we're looking at working in so the, those are that's a, that's that is one of the interesting things because if we go down to do further work we're going to be in an area that's again, would date to the oldest. And this is why I threw this out earlier, guys. Yes, it's the oldest of what's known of the Mayan world, like 2000 years. However, just like in Peru and other, uh, and that's South America, but for other Central and South American countries, including Belize, there are signs these megalithic structures are much, much more ancient and were attached to other societies than the ones that we know of by name. So the crystal artifacts, like the crystal skulls of, you know, the Mitchell Hedges or the other items that are found, it's like, were those inherited items or were they were they crystal items that were uh, maybe carved twice? Were they something bigger? Were they something different? We don't know. But it's an area where there's a lot of caves and by caves, we're not talking like just a hole with like a room in it. We're talking miles of caves, uh, cenotes. Belize is at the sea level, but there are many cenotes. There are many um, underground secret places. The area that we're looking at doing work in in the future, which is different than the area we were hiking in on the private land. They um, There are cave systems that are known to be Mayan and have ruins in them and you know, were they once part of maybe a more ancient tunnel system were like, like in Peru? Uh, Cause I know we're going to talk about those mummies a little bit too, but that's why I'm bringing yeah. up Peru. But there's, there are laser cut, uh, very 
very fine finished tunnel systems. And they're found in Mexico. They're found, they're found, they're found in a lot of places, but in Peru too, you have this again, megalithic construction. You you don't have an origin for these things like Tiwanaku, Pumapunku. You have places where you have almost magnetic qualities to what look like cast stones that have been researched by the Geopolymer Institute that make no sense. And then you have elongated skulls, you know, the, the Peruvian elongated skull people, which uh, Brian Forster has written about. And there are a lot of shenanigans with what could be some very interesting results from DNA testing as to why they have elongated skull. Their suture lines in their head are different than what's in a human skull. I've shown them to nurses and doctors myself, just like Brian Forster suggested way back when I was working on that aliens originally. And I had met Brian and I, I'm fascinated by the width and breadth from Belize to Central America and Peru, how vast the actual um, potential um, history we could uncover if we would dig and ask questions. I digress. Now, now this is interesting because I'm one of those people that I'm horrible with keeping timelines straight unless I jot them down. Was it the Mayans that were before the Inca? Is that correct think, in the timeline? I think we have some parallel. We have some paralleling between Central okay. and South America and the Mayans and the Incans, and then we have the Olmecs and Toltecs. Okay. But then there's hundreds of other little. There's groups of indigenous peoples living in all these areas, and and I think a lot of us, especially being American, we have this idea that they weren't. In America, and the reality, I think, uh, I think something that uh, that America on Earth, that Scott Walter, and and it's not just him. It's it is. I bring it up as a show for people to have easy access to to uh, just watch a show on Mayan Blue, and there's pretty solid evidence. I think I think it's worth looking at because it looks like Georgia, it looks like some of the canal systems that were buried in Arizona. Yep. Uh, you can actually uh, pretty much be assured that maybe the Incans and the Mayans were in uh, America. And that, again, our, our snapshot of what is um, what we think of as, uh, I don't know, just a Central and South American societies were way more blended, way more integrated and and way more, I don't know, hemispherically, you know, connected. So... I don't think, and the and the interesting thing is that a lot of people will look at the Olmecs and they look at the giant skulls and they're like, well, they look African. And then just a reminder for everyone, the Bay of Amphora jars is right off the coast of Brazil. And they're like, well, a Roman vessel was blown off course and it just happened to sink. And then there's a, a well-known conspiracy that the the Portuguese, of course, want credit for being in Brazil first. Mind you, this is during our modern Renaissance. Why does it matter if Brazil was visited by Romans? Uh, so there's some weird, bizarre, like maybe a historical national pride with people who should not care. But you have a bay, the Bay of Amphora Jars. I wrote about it. I, I mentioned it, but you can look it up. You can just look it on the internet where you have hundreds of what look like tr like a trading vessel uh, not maybe just one, but that there was open trade between 
was the Middle East and Africa and Central America, including Brazil. So if that was going on in the Roman era and it wasn't uh, one ship blown off course, like what, what, why are there tribes in Central America and South America and even on Eastern Island, but in Central and South America, there, there are stories of tribes with blonde hair and blue eyes. Well, mine's kind of blonde, but blue eyed European looking people. And there's um, native American here in the U S there was blonde haired, blue eyed Indians. So, where are these people from? And on Easter Island, there were redheads. So yeah. again, it's it, it it's I think our our snapshots of all the cultures, even if we start Olmec, Toltec, Aztec, Amazon, and looking at how are these societies blending in and interconnected, is that that contemporary story is wrong or or whatever? It's misleading or it's confusing, and then the actual trade routes and what was open where the Phoenicians coming to America where were were the you know the the Celts I mean we could digress into the genealogy of uh everybody that had been coming already to America and or trading and living here what looks like for the last four thousand years is again a much 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 vaster um relationship with the world than what we thought was an isolated indigenous group that we're building really tall pyramids to cut hearts out of. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's getting to the point where you have to be very uh, just stubborn as hell to not think that there was some type of international shipping and, and yeah. transportation of people across the Pacific and across the Atlantic. I mean, there, yeah. there was something that probably happened that, you know, and, and we can talk, you know, Mount Toba, we can talk the end of the last yeah. stage, you know, 75,000 years ago versus, you know, 12,500 years ago. But there was definitely these resets that happened. I mean, we know it genealogically. And I just, I, I can't help but think that the Mayan, the Incan, the Egyptians that we think of today inherited a leftover framework of something yeah. previous to them. You know, I, I, I just, I guess I, I don't see the evidence of how these people at that time could have made such structures and then just disappear or be wiped out. You know, if you had the technology to make, you know, megalithic structures that could fit so well together, I would think yeah. you would have a society that's pretty well banded together and not throwing people into your water system and letting their bodies rot and then drinking it. That's a primitive. So there's certain things that just don't make sense to me, which, which I think those buildings are much older, uh, whether it's the pyramids of Egypt or if it's pyramids and Belize and, yeah. So much is covered up in this in Central America by these incredible jungles, as you were saying. I mean, those things are trying to literally kill you while you're there. And the plants yeah, are lot. trying to kill you. So yeah. I don't know. That that's just my uh 
my thoughts on it. Well, yeah, no, it's it's all these are all the it's just an opportunity, you know. And I know we're talking speaking out loud, and we have a wonderful audience. And I think it's just one of those times where if it gets your brain thinking, if you have one the smallest thread in the story, if you have any curiosity about it, go check it out. You know, ask yourself questions and and start looking at some of the finite uh, stories. Um, the earliest conquistadors. Uh, one of the things I learned early on was we're talking 1500s. And at one point they had gotten lost. And one of the accounts was they were in the jungle and they came up on a raised road. And they said it rivaled any road they had ever seen built by the Romans in Italy. And it was like 100 feet wide. It was a super highway. And as far as they could tell, it went in each direction. They weren't at a point where the sun was, where they could tell if they were east or west. But what they could see from how high the sun was is that the road went endlessly in one direction and endlessly in another, and they didn't know which direction to go, but they had never seen anything like it and rivaled anything they saw in, in Rome. And I just can't imagine the society that, may, there's a society that may have maintained that road and the society that built that road. And you, you think about these early, 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 early explorers and what they were running into. And again, it's just like Egypt, where you have a dynastic society of literally uh, on. They're, they're not archaeologists. They're not, archaeologists, they're not uh, restoration people. They just found ruins and they mimicked. They, they re-engineered and built what they could and picked and put piecemeal back together. It's, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating world because, again, it's this incredible amount of history we don't know about that society, and it's fun to learn all of that or watch Apocalypto or some period, you know, something that we kind of kind of have our heads around. But it's another thing to think, well, no, this is part of an integrated megalithic earth energy system that was part of a society that is in the deepest portions of our consciousness, if we have any memories at all. And they weren't just engineering large buildings, but, you know, we talked early on when I wrote my book, it's a terra preta. It's about engineered soil that's man-made. We don't know where it came from. It's in South America. It's in uh, South Africa. It's in North Africa. It's in Australia. Terra preta is an engineered soil that has piezoelectric properties. It can, it can manage electromagnetic frequencies. It self-replicates. It handles carbon dioxide and heavy metals. It can filter all of it. And it's the best growing soil on earth. So who built it? Who made it to connect to these megalithic structures to be in a society that would have to have a worldwide soil system that had that functionality? This is, this is, that's just the tip of the iceberg of, of all of our world's uh, backstory that we, we don't have, you know, we can get back to the maps of the, when you talk about international trade, the Pires Reese map, having the map of Antarctica, yep. the, the, the sea Kings, the map is maps of the sea Kings. We, we have indications that there's highly advanced longitude latitudes, mathematical systems. I mean, I know you're not teeing me up for this, but yeah, I could go on. I think that it's very suspicious <laughs> when we have the, scientific anomalies. Yeah. And 
you know, Dave says uh, from YouTube, he says, wow, I didn't know all that about the soil. Well, Dave, one of the things I want to get Jared pinned down on is to do a show with Jared where we're going to actually live stream his documentary and stopping oh, it and giving it live commentary. Yeah, let's do that. We go through it. And it's fascinating because here's what I love about Jared is that his real world life experience is that of a builder. So he knows about, you know, tamping the ground and all of this stuff that, you know, us lay people that, and probably archeologists and stuff. I don't know how many of them are actual builders or know how to square a circle to build a building and things like that. Right. They're more digging and looking for evidence. So that's one of the things I'm going to get with Jared on here and and nail him down to a day where we can come on and and talk about Terra Preta and Terra Core, his documentary, because I think all that stuff that's the jungles now down in Central America that tries to kill you when you go down there to find pyramids and things. Yeah. I think that stuff is growing like that, not only because the climate's perfect for it down there and everything, but it's probably grown like that and overgrown everything because of out of control uh, replicating Terra Preta, which is causing those jungles to grow though. And the animals there, you know, pumas with, you know, hand human hand size claws and things, you know, it, 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 so anyways, that, that was one thing I had talked to, to Jared about doing. So we'll be looking for that. But also, Michelle, you had uh, Dave's uh, question highlighted. Can you throw that up there again? I will. Because this it, is good. So this is from Dave. I have always thought that the Egyptians were the first ones. And that's where the cradle of man was. Were the Mayan people influenced by the Egyptians or, or, or is there any correlation? Oh, well, that's a great question because um, for those that are listening, like I was under the same thought that the Egyptians are, oh, this is where this stuff started. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I try to unpack in Not Aliens, which I should stop referencing because no one can buy it right now unless you buy it on the secondary market. Um, I'll have the new one up. But what the problem is with Terra Preta being everywhere on the planet is that it clearly corresponds to megalithic construction. And if you look at the style of construction in Egypt, it's identical in Peru. It's identical in uh, Cambodia. You can look around the world and find megalithic integrated polygonal construction in Japan uh, and to Egypt. And so whoever built those structures like in Lebanon, uh, you have... What is that, Baalbek? At Baalbek, uh, you have the trilithons, which are 1,100 to 900 ton stones that have been placed uh, without problem. The, so, the, so the problem is, is that if we were to say, oh, well, the Egyptians or, or, or the out of Africa theory is based on a partially it's based on a genome project that says, okay, well, here's genetically what it looks like for humans to have come from anywhere. But one of the arguments I would make is that it appears that the constructions are tens of thousands of years old based on star alignments. So for instance, Gobekli Tepe, 
Gobekli Tepe predates anything that we know of. Okay, so there's a couple of histories about the Sphinx and how old is the Sphinx? So there's immediate information that says the Sphinx is 34 to 40,000 years old. And then Robert, Dr. Robert Schock goes to Egypt and uh, was at an invite of another researcher. And the short is, he said, don't quote me. And you can actually watch a YouTube video where Shock is looking at this and they're talking about it. And they're like, look, don't quote me, but the water erosion around the Sphinx could be 240 to 260,000 years old. And I'll give you one other example so that you can start breaking out of your paradigm about the Western ideology that Egypt is where anything started. Um, in South Africa, where I got to go and I spent a month doing research in South Africa, I was with Michael Tellinger and uh, I was a guest of his. And one of the things that we did was we went to what's called Adam's Calendar. Adam's Calendar is a, it, it's basically carns or standing stones. And it's a physical calendar on the, a 3,300 foot, it's on the edge of a bluff overlooking what is the oldest, richest gold mine in the world, which is a massive valley. And we're talking, it's so ancient, even the Sumerians were digging there. And this calendar is an equinox, solstice, uh, star calendar, and season calendar. This, from what everything that's been able to be figured out from these standing stones, Adam's calendar could be over 300,000 years old. And on one hand, you look at it and it looks very weathered and it looks very ancient. And there are some anomalies with Stonehenge and its age. And the Sarsen stones, some of them are made out of a particular kind of crystalline that would be impossible to age if it wasn't for being tens of thousands of years old. Could it have been repurposed? So when you, when you add up a few of the anomalies around the earth, and I'm only giving a couple of what could be hours of examples. And you can also watch my lectures like from not TerraCore, but uh, from America, from America's Stonehenge. I have a kind of a, there's stone spheres or things all over the planet that are thousands of years older than the, what we know of Egyptian history. So the last five or 10,000 years, which more than covers our Sumerians and everything else, those stories don't add up to human antiquity and and the physical indications of the stones that were not just the, the age of, we don't know how to date stones, but the, the age of the things that we're finding, which include Gobekli Tepe, there are six Tepes that were found in Turkey. The minimum age for the one in, at Gobekli is 24 to 36,000 years old. So if we think of Dr. Robert Schock's assessment and the initial assessment that the Sphinx was at least 36,000 years old, and then it could be hundreds of thousands of years old. And we're not talking about the face of the Sphinx. We're talking about the structure that maybe the face was carved and recarved the one again. That they and keep on again. covering with uh, like mason blocks and stuff. So you can't see the actual real body of yeah. the Sphinx. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 and there's some ruins in Egypt or I'm sorry, in Russia uh, that are again, even larger than the trilithons in Baalbek, but I would start looking at some of those truisms for you to start resetting your own paradigm. This is so important to me, guys. I'm sorry. I'm spending too much time. I know I was going <laughs> to dial it out here. 
Uh, we should do a couple more questions, but I think it's important because the question is you're thinking along the right lines. It's like, what? it's not that there has to be one theory of everything, but there is, when you look at all the independent evidences and you don't departmentalize it and look at the globalness of the, of the technologies, you're gonna see that they always keep predating these, although interesting, dynastic societies like Egyptians. They're, they're squatters. The, uh, again, it's not that they didn't survive. They, they're humans that survived something. They came out of the desert, they came out of jungles, and they did really cool stuff, but they did it because they found something in ruins. And yep. Egypt was in ruins. You know, yeah. Where, where, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, they, they may not be far off saying that, you know, humanity came out of Africa because, well, maybe everybody died on the planet except those, you know, few thousand that were left in Africa. So it does appear like, yeah, at one point there was a lot of people repopulating the earth out of Africa. But before that, it's like we have a lot of something going on. Well, you have a lot of interesting things like the elongated skull Peruvian yeah. uh, the practice and they look like they came from Crimea. And so why, why we're elongated skull people, not only in Africa, but you giants. have the mimic, not the headbinders, but the people who genetically were naturally born with elongated skull. Yep. What happened to that society? What about little people? And by little people, I mean, not dwarves out of Lord of the Rings, but there are stories of little people, the moon eyed people. Uh, those yep. are in Southern United States. Um, there are stories of uh, little people all around the world in Hawaii, uh, in, in not just Scotland, but there, there are definitely stories of tiny people. And it, again, we don't, we, we're, we get remnants or bits of the truth in folklore or eyewitness things that have turned into folklore or stories. But the reality is that the practice are a real thing and we have those real skulls. And one of the questions you got to ask just factually ask yourself over and over, why why isn't there more DNA testing? Why don't we know more about the practice? Why have some of the testing that has been done, um, why isn't it more openly shared? Why don't we know more about these redheaded, elongated skull humans that were living in Peru that look very much like the tiny little mummies? Um, were they just some babies or whatever? But maybe I answered everything within the 30 minutes we had left. So there you go. <laughs> Well, you know, it, here's the thing, too. It's like you, you bring up the, the little people, the moon-eyed people. The Navajo, I believe, have the ant people that saved yep. their tribe and put pulled them underground. But what about the giants? You know, we've got Aztec yeah. or Incan legends that say that there were giants that helped them build these structures. And then over in the Middle East, we have a whole religion that talks about the nephilim and giants so here we go again yeah. with this cross-pollinization yeah. of a, a belief system or at least a, a, some type of a inner working of a mythology that both a, a planet apart that have the same kind of ideas and michelle and i even ran into somebody years ago in a parking lot at a grocery store Asking because we were wearing Lake Tahoe shirts. She was from California and she comes up and she starts saying, did you guys ever hear about the red haired giants that live in the mountains? 
near there. Yeah, there's Giant Island near Los Angeles. There was a Giant's Island where yeah. they found. You know, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of giant, a lot of giants. And Nassim yeah. Harriman, you know, Nassim Harriman had done research on the, you know, I got to speak with him personally, and he talked about uh, some of those elongated skulls. He was able to do some research on them, and he said that there there was. These, this mummy that he worked on was 35 or 3,800 years old. And he said that he had uh, taken soft brain tissue and ocular uh, tissue, uh, which is mind bending because nothing 3,800 years old should have soft tissue. And so what if the very idea of genes programming, like you said, natural things that you consider as natural plant life, animal life, what if they were part of what we see as organic and natural was really a much more highly advanced. Again, it's not about it being the way we think of computers and machines, but more of how the natural world was a programmed interface for an environment that we lived in that was in a way a sort of an Eden. Yeah. Well, um, Lady If says, Ojibwe have little people called Mimigwase. And we even believe in a giant ape when she puts Bigfoot in parentheses as one of our seven grandfathers called Sabe. That's interesting. Yeah. The Ojibwe. There, there, there's another thing too. Lots of Native American uh, tribes share some of the same belief system even though they may have been at war with each other at certain points in native American history, you know, Comanches, Apaches, you know, they were brutal yeah. Cherokee, you know, I mean, it was a fight for survival, but they all shared a lot of the same, you know, stories like that. It, it, they're, they're overlapping uh, Joseph Campbell, the yep. hero with a thousand fit, you know, a lot of people like that kind of research where, you can definitely get a taste of why is it that all these tribes over the whole world have similar um, folklore and similar the the flood myths the the little people the giants why why do they why do we all share this is it just a you know it it just cannot be out of complete a complete imagination that we right. think of these things but the interesting thing is that there is enough factual evidence of what Again, if you look at one thing, you can say it's an anomaly. But when you tie it all together, it's like, well, okay, no, there's a megalithic soil engineering, possibly overly conscious human that could maybe even change shapes or sizes or genetically program and worked much more differently and engineered the, the earth down to uh, frequencies and energies uh, a lot more in a Tesla way that we don't have access to and we can't even comprehend because we're only 10% conscious and some of us spend time being dead. Well, like <laughs> there is that. I mean, you know, that takes a little bit of oomph out of you, you know? All yeah. Right. So, Jared, I want to I wanna move on because this is all great stuff and awesome for our audience to get a high level view of everything you've been kind of working on over your past, like what, 20 years. Uh, it's been a long time working on the book and your explorations and research Yeah, and stuff that I want to get into when we do that commentary on um, Terra core, but let's yeah. jump, let, let's switch gears before we run out of time. Cause we're 
we are. We're running longer than we thought we were going to even be running. Yes. Um, but here we go. This thing. Oh, boy. Now, um, this was wheeled out at the Mexican UFO Senate Congress something, yeah. um, which is funny because I've been trying to find the, the video of it. I can't find it anywhere. I've just found oh, sure stories about it. So, um, but what is your take on this? Is it legit? Is it uh, a NASCA mummy? I mean, what, what's going on? You know, it could be, they're so tiny. I I remember I saw the bigger picture of it. Um, It could be so tiny. It could, when you look at the NASCA skulls um, and again, based on just basing it on Brian Forrester's work, if it is a naturally, um, and there there were, okay, there are doctors and surgeons that have looked at the Nazca skulls and said that they are not pressed, right? That they're naturally born with elongated skulls. Mm-hmm. So if that is what looks like maybe a baby or like a young child, yeah. maybe that's what a Nazca looks like, uh, really young. Uh, I'm surprised we've never seen this before. I hope it's not somebody uh, sewing up a mummified otter mixed with a squirrel head. Yeah, because wasn't Jaime Mosan kind of debunked on some of his stuff about actually that situation? Oh, my gosh. I was just throwing it out because I know it's been done with other like Bigfoot and Sasquatch things, but I don't know. Is that what happened? That's that's my understanding. He does not have the greatest of reputations in <laughs> the ufology circles for presenting things that were basically garbage bags flying through the air. And when he was and I know somebody who before a, a convention that was there um, as somebody at a convention told him, hey, don't play this video. That is a garbage bag flying through the air. That's not a UFO. He played it anyways, you know, and it was completely debunked. And there's other things, too, where it's like he's not necessarily the most credible guy because, well, he's into that sensationalism stuff. Um, No, yeah. yeah. Well, I I don't have anything else to add on it because we don't have access. There's There's no research on it. It looks a bit like maybe a Paracas kid, but the, the shoulders and every, again, it's a mummification. So it's difficult how it digresses and mummifies and what stays and what doesn't preserves. And it looks a little squared out. Yeah. Um, but you know, it looks like what we want. Um, well, what, which is it? Is it that, is it what we want an alien to look like? Or is it, it's like ET with a lump on the back of that. Right. I mean, you know, is it, is it, but what well, I don't, I don't have any, there's no, show me the DNA results. You know, yeah. is it, para, is it Paracas? Is it something? And again, it's from for everyone out there. We have the Paracas. Why aren't we testing them? Yep. Because they are real and they look better than this and they look weirder than this or as weird. Yep. And we have mummies that we should want answers to and we don't have them it's as simple as go get the damn dna and do it 
Yeah, Sorry, it, I digress, but we no, you're you're right. It says here that a self-described UFO expert claimed the two small corpses were retrieved from Cusco, Peru. They were presented in windowed boxes in Mexico City on Wednesday, stirring excitement within the UFO conspiracy theorist community. So somebody wow. had asked me if I thought that these were real. I think they're real. I just I don't think they're they're alien necessarily we're we're looking at we're looking at photos it's great give me some dna samples tell yeah, me they something say here yep. almost a third of their dna remaining unknown reported by mexican media okay how many times has it been tested has it been tested is the first question yeah they, what? They, yeah because they tested how old these things were one of them was said to be 700 years old, and the other one was like 1,700 years old. It's not in this article, but uh, I've yeah. seen those numbers thrown around. But it was found that over 30% of the specimen's DNA was unknown, he claimed. And that, well, that can be caused by faulty equipment or the same people doing it. or I don't know. You know it's, it's Again, it's, it's one of those... Um, we got tons of museums with elongated skulls. Let's start testing, yeah. folks. Yep. You know, we can't just go with Brian Forster's one book about it. Yep. Or Nassim yeah, Harriman doing his work. You know, it, it just can't be one. It can't just be two guys. It, it makes yeah. no sense that we don't have. Again, there's so many elongated skulls. There's there's red hair. There's hair. There's hair samples. There's yes. like a million different things we could do to test actual elongated skull naturally born humans to find out what the are they from crimea are they are you know the the middle middle lower Euro european slash middle eastern uh why are elongated skull people why is this still like not a thing we shrug it off somehow it's there's no demand for it there's no excitement for it and i'm hoping to change all that i yep. can't enough for being on i'm just gonna digress and be just annoyed for another <laughs> i don't have time for it i won't do it <laughs> yeah but you're right there's there's plenty of other stuff out there to to tap i mean we've got we know that there's the elongated skull we know there's there they have yeah. the elongated skull and the red hair and we there's access to them well they've yeah. they've interviewed people who were born with elongated skulls that over evolution and time with no binding still had well, that's interesting that formation. Oh yeah. I, that's so very that was something that we had found when we interviewed Brian Forrester and started digging into it in the area around the black sea. Yep. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot here for me for, for people to like spend your spend your time uh, yeah. researching or looking into it. It's it's these, these are the mysteries we need to get on top exactly. of and get some answers for it. Like there's no reason we, we should get the testing results. We should do more DNA testing and, and someone needs, someone needs to do it. Yeah, I agree. Now, what about, um? did you happen to catch any of the, what I call the nothing burger of the NASA live meeting on UAP UFOs? No, I missed it. Well, don't bother wasting your time, man. That that when I say a nothing burger, it was it was pathetic. James James Fox was one of the first people to ask a question. You would have thought he kicked somebody's puppy 
by asking a question of, I forgot who the former senator is that now runs NASA or is the director of NASA. He was just being a kind of a jerk. And uh, they only talked about what they were doing. And they, they have a new person that's going to be the head of the UAP investigation group, but they're not releasing their names because the last time they did a, a conference, you know, people were getting snarky with them on the internet and saying bad things. So they don't, they don't want to have bad things said to them. It's like okay. you have, you have a community of people who have been lied to for 80 years about UFOs, yeah, and whether, you know, whether you're involved or not, or what's going on, of course, people are going to be upset. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh, now you're now you're investigating UFOs because you're in charge. You're going to really tell us the truth when Project Blue Book came here to the, to Michigan and, and told everybody it was damn swamp gas and then changed the story later. Yeah. Like, no, we really didn't investigate it. We just had we were told to shut it no. down. Oh, my God. They killed the state with that because yeah. research has found that all of Michigan or Southeast Michigan, because of our production plants, we were surrounded by nuclear missiles. So they were, these things were going around looking at the nuclear missile silos, the Nike missile silos here in Michigan. And they were chased by fighter jets released by a base not too far from here in the 60s. Hmm. And it was all covered up. And told everybody, all those co-eds and everybody at Hillsdale University out in Dexter and Ann Arbor that it was swamp gas. The cops were chasing around Venus. Okay. It, it's crazy. Not Mars. Not Mars. Nope, it was Venus. So, yeah. So, my my whole thoughts on, on NASA now getting involved, it sounds like they want to be the cool kids too, like uh congress you know all the cool kids are talking about ufos and uaps you know there's probably some money involved somewhere but i think no, I, I, I think it's going to be nothing i don't think we're going to get any truth out of it but i uh i do appreciate you having me on tonight and Absolutely, I'm so sorry Is this I ran the first late. time you've been able to come on a show again no so that's okay. the other thing i've I've uh, been on Dark Hour Paranormal. Uh, oh, okay. We've, we've done, uh, uh, you know, I, I just did, uh, I co-host on Everything Imaginable also. And oh, yeah. Gary and I, actually, we just recorded with Jim Goodall a couple nights ago. Perfect. And um, just wanted to get that out there again. And then um, I know uh, Leak Project and a, a few other places have been wanting me to come back. But as far as other shows go, you know, when I had gotten out of the hospital, it was about a month. And then, you know, I did, did do a quick update for everyone on Dark Hour Paranormal. But then, uh, yeah, I didn't have my voice back for about six, seven weeks. So really, although I've been out, uh, I had the event and then I've been out a couple months. Uh, the reality is that I didn't sound like I did. Well, you you heard me early on. Oh, yeah. I sound, sound a lot better now. So yeah. there'll be I'll, I'll get back to for everyone looking on notaliens.com or, or on notaliens on YouTube. I'll be getting back to a regular show schedule. It'll be happening pretty soon, but awesome. everything imaginable right now, dark hour, paranormal, your show, 
I've, I've definitely done my guesting right now. It's definitely, I appreciate you having me on and yeah, uh, absolutely, man. get back on my feet, stay behind yeah. me. And we got to get that Terra core live commentary set up, man. Let's <laughs> that schedule so that. Cool. Uh, yeah. Let me talk to you. Let's talk tomorrow if you got time and, yep. and get that set up for everyone and we'll get everyone a date and then we will live commentary that documentary. Awesome. All cool. right, dude. Well, we're going to let you go, man. Cause it's late. We've been going two hours and 20 minutes and, you know, we're used to being up at five o'clock in the morning now. So it's like my voice starts going. Michelle's over here. I'm on my second cup of coffee. Yeah, right. She's you got to yell at people tomorrow. What's that? You got to yell at people tomorrow. So save your voice. No, oh, tomorrow's, no. tomorrow's, tomorrow's Sunday. Sunday. Oh, you're right. Forget it. Go sleep in. I'm just going to go yell at the Lord. Oh, boy. <laughs> We've got a funeral to go to. Yeah. Yeah. So tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's true. And Sorry about that again. That. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I saw Diane was in uh one of our members was in chat saying that she was on her way home from a funeral. So it just oh, like sucks. yeah, <sighs> it's it's one of those things. All right. Well, Jerry. Yep. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll be in touch soon. We'll get some things set up and we can focus, you know, specifically on uh the ancient technologies and Terra Preta, Terra Core, your video, and yeah, we'll get all that going. All right, cool. I will all right, uh, man. catch up with you guys soon. All, all right, right, take care. Good all talking right. to you, Jared. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we just had him back from the dead. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he really is. Yep. Absolutely. So just a good, you know, good guy, you know, check out notaliens.com. Yep. You can find that- his YouTube channel, uh, you know, just not aliens and you will find his uh, YouTube channel and the documentaries and videos and previous live shows that we've done. So, yeah. So in crossing fingers that those two guys, Wayne and Jared get to go to Belize at some point to do yep. some more digging, just not get, you know, Dude. stitches like Jim. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh I'm I'm very excited to be able to get out and uh I would head love to the, the crystal figurines that he was talking about, the Jaguar yeah. or Puma type. So that and is I, cool. And I see people in chat have been uh you know really talking and got invested and excited about the uh talking about the ancient technologies and ancient civilizations you know so we will be doing that soon and remember if you have any stories please email us yep absolutely uh i see a couple of emails have come in one from dave i believe we had lady if send us uh something so stories accounts things that you would like us to research mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com right there that's it and don't forget you can help support us super chats super stickers and join and become a member i was gonna say (laughs) yes thank you to our three lovelies that joined tonight yes all right everybody it is late i'm giving myself the stink eye for like let's get out of here it's been a long long day and we can't thank you guys enough we love you all Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a great night, everyone. 
Have a great night. And remember, keep those eyes to that sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.